This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You all can have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. Uh, you made it. Congratulations to everybody. Uh, we've, we've made it through. We are um, the faithful and the few this morning. I suspect um, most of our friends are, um, you know, snuggled up tight in their PJs trying to detox from what has been the last week or so of um, festivities and celebrating. And... Um, I'm really thankful this morning to get to be here with all of you and kick off um, this new year together. Uh, ring it in, as they say. If you stayed up till midnight and you made it to church this morning, congratulations. You are winning on all fronts. The beautiful thing about, um, there are a number of reasons that I love this tradition. Uh, too many to tell. Uh, but one of, one of the gifts, really, that I think uh, has been given to me is the gift of the church calendar. If you've been here at Christ the King, you've heard us talk about this before. It's rhythms, and it's invitation to live your life um, by the life of Jesus, to mark time, and uh, to keep my own rhythms in pace and in step and sync with his, his rhythms, the rhythms of his story. What a gift. Uh, so today I am reminded, and we all are reminded, uh, that this is the beginning of the Christmas season for us. Christmas is not over yet for the church. And, and if you are the kind of person that is very much looking forward to getting home and stripping it all down, you know, and getting life back to normal, I get it completely. Um, and if you choose to take down your tree and put it all away, uh, that's fine. So long as we know, um, in the church, we're keeping this, this thing going for 12 days, not just one day. The church makes Christmas a season. We're called, as we have during Advent, um, to give some real serious thought um, and attention to celebrating. You've been called over the season of Advent to be mindful about prayer and to be quiet, reflective, to mark time, to wait, to be expectant and hopeful, to reflect on what it means to wait for God to come. And so we don't just have Christmas morning and all the presents and then get on the other side of it and it's like, oh, well, he came and now I guess time to make resolutions or go to the gym. I don't know what we do now. Instead, the church is going to say, well, I don't know, maybe we need some time to reflect on what it means that God has come. How does he come? When he comes, what does it look like? Would we know it if we saw it? How does he come when he comes? So the, uh, the question in front of us today, because it's our only Sunday in the Christmas season, is exactly that. What can we learn from the Christmas story about what it means for God to come and the ways that he typically does? What does it look like? What does it feel like? So that's the question in front of us as we turn 
yet again, back to the Christmas story. We can't leave it behind. We're going to sit for the first time. Actually, all through this season of Advent, we were preaching from Isaiah. What a sad thing if we just, you know, we never got to sit together with a Christmas story. So thanks be to God, we get a little bit of time anyway to reflect on the birth of Jesus together. And this, what I suspect for many of you, is a very, very familiar story, one you've heard a hundred times. And yet another gift of the calendar is to sort of function like a lens. It focuses you to say, okay, yeah, you've heard this story a hundred times, maybe a thousand, maybe a million times, but have you ever read it asking yourself the question, what does it mean for God to come? When he comes, what does it look like? Will you know it if and when he comes into your life? Uh, So with that in mind, the story itself The shepherds have, by this point, been notified of the birth of Jesus. They've been told that he's been born, and it was epic. It was this remarkable showing in the sky. The heavens opened, the angels sang, and the shepherds got to see it, which is sort of the great joke of the Bible. Over and over, God really shows off for the least of these. Not only those on the outside, those marginalized, but also you have to um, remember that with that comes also Um, The sad fact that they are the least likely to be believed. Their testimony is the most suspicious. Of all the people in Bethlehem that you would believe a miracle from, their testimony. Somebody was to show up at your door and say, I've seen God. A shepherd is not going to be the person that you are most likely to trust, to put the most credibility in. And yet, for whatever reason, that seems to be God's M.O., He continues to entrust his miracles, his good news, to the least likely preachers, heralds. And so the shepherds have witnessed something that I guess nobody else got to see. They saw this guy split open, and they heard the angels sing, and now um, the angels are gone, and they're left standing there. And um, one of them says to the others, well, we better go check this out, you know. Let's go see what's happening in Bethlehem. Uh, And so they make their way. Uh, I think the thing that I've been reflecting on, though, uh, maybe for the first time, is what it would have felt like to experience something like that and then for everything to go very suddenly all the way back to normal. That fast. So fast, in fact, that you would wonder if what you had seen or experienced had happened at all. You know, these shepherds, as they were making their way back to Bethlehem, didn't exactly look like the messengers of heaven, you know, They've been up all night with the sheep, and I don't know if you spent much time with livestock out in the woods, but you know, rough business. And so they have to look at each other and look at the sky, which now looks like a very ordinary sky, and they all look very ordinary, and choose to believe that what they'd experienced together was in fact real, that God had been there. And then they had to make their way all the way to wherever it was that Jesus was born. And when they got there, They opened the door, and we talked about this some on Christmas Eve, but it bears repeating, and if you haven't thought about it, maybe to put yourself in the position of the shepherds, when they arrive at the house of Jesus, you know, the Christ, the anointed one, as the angels had been singing, this is the Savior, the Son of David, he's been born, Christ the Lord, you know, glory in the highest. That's how the angels announced it. Well, when the shepherds get to the house of baby Jesus and they open the door, what they find is a baby who looked like your baby when it was born and a very ordinary Mary and a very ordinary Joseph. In other words, an unremarkable scene 
And in that moment, standing there, they had to look at that family, the holy family, the one that we now see memorialized in nativity scenes all over the world. But in that moment for the shepherds, they have a memory of a miracle and they have this vision in front of them. And they had to choose to believe that the thing that they had heard was true. That in fact, this baby is Christ the Lord, son of David. And so they give their testimony. They tell their story. The Christmas story does contain miracles, but the thing that I've been thinking about a lot that has really struck me for whatever reason this year is how ordinary so much of it is. I think we say a lot, oh, you know, Jesus was born, and he was born in a way that we didn't expect, and how miraculous and how cool is that? You know, God chose to come to the world in human flesh. The Word made flesh. God incarnate. Here he comes and he's born. And we expect that he would be born in palaces. And yet how cool that God chose to be born in a manger with shepherds and, you know, just his regular parents. How amazing. How miraculous. How good this God. But have you ever thought about it this way? <laughs> is that actually the ordinariness of it all, the everydayness of it all, how regular it is actually kind of frustrating. Because when God comes, I don't know if you're like me, I want to know. I want it to feel like a miracle. I want the sky to split open and angels to sing and for something miraculous and out of the ordinary to happen so that I can know that God was here. <laughs> Look what he did. Look how miraculous. And yet the scandal of Christmas is that when God came, it was just ordinary enough to miss if you weren't paying really close attention. And that is a sobering fact for any of us who are looking for him to come now. Is that not only was it easy to miss, but that it came in such an ordinary, everyday kind of fashion that there was almost no miracle about it at all. Sure, Mary got pregnant, and an angel came and told her she was miraculous. But then she got pregnant like every other woman gets pregnant. And then she delivered a baby like every other woman delivers a baby. When Jesus was born, the heavens did not split open and they did not sing glory to God in the highest. Or if they did, we don't know anything about it. Mary didn't hear it. Nobody knew. If there were angelic, angelic midwives there attending her at Jesus' birth, crowning him with crowns, we don't know that story. As far as we know, he was born like your kids were born. And it was fairly unremarkable. I said this on Christmas Eve, but it gets me to imagine her having, I've had a baby. You know, you pick him up, you look at him. Yeah, it's wonderful. But you have to ask yourself, did she look at his face and think, God, looks like a baby to me. Did I make it all up? What if I made it all up? And so over and over throughout this story, there's an invitation, I think, to confront something in ourselves, which is this like kind of terrifying and frustrating fact, which is that God is committed to coming into the everydayness of your life, 
It's how he wants to come. It's how he's chosen over and over to make himself known. It's how he does miracles. Your life, your everyday life, is apparently the fertile soil that God chooses to like plant miracles. There may be some miraculous thing that God wants to do, but the only place that he has to like enter in and to make the miracle happen is through the everydayness of your life. That's the message of Christmas. And here's why that matters for you, because that's very easy to miss. You know, if God plants a seed and it's a miracle seed, he's got to plant it in the ground just like every other seed. And so while it's growing, you don't know that there's a miracle there. And even when the plant comes up, you don't know that it's a miraculous plant. It all looks so terribly, frustratingly ordinary. If God wants to miraculously give Mary a baby, he's going to do it in very ordinary means. He had to implant it in, in this story, put it this way, kind of ordinary fallopian tubes, just like your babies were made. It may have started as a miracle, but then the pregnancy looks very normal. The delivery looks very normal. What's the point? I think there's something about Christmas that calls me to reflect on the fact that God is every day choosing to come into my ordinary life and tell a redemptive story. And that his miraculous coming is easy for me to overlook and to miss. To belittle. To make light of. There's a song that I listen to a lot during Advent called Mary Did You Know. You've all heard it before. But there's a particularly wonderful version of it. And in the lines of this particularly wonderful version... Um, the repeated refrain is that glory is inside of you. Mary, did you know that glory is inside of you? And the truth is, maybe she did know, kind of, to some degree, but I don't know that she knew any more than you know or I know. That glory is, in fact, inside of me, in my life. But that the glory that God does the miracles, really, the redemption that he works all the time on the surface looks so dangerously normal, so frustratingly ordinary. If you can zoom out far enough, we all want to stand up and clap. You know, if you look at the Christmas story and you get all the way out, you're like, oh, how amazing God would choose to be born in a manger. That's incredible. But imagine if you're the innkeeper. You know, when Mary shows up, pregnant and tired, and she just needs a place to have her baby, and you're the innkeeper, and you looked at her, and all you saw was a tired, pregnant woman who wants to have a baby in your place. Nobody told you she was the mother of God. <laughs> Had they told you she was the mother of God, you might have done things differently. But she just showed up. There she was. Too easy to miss. And if I'm honest with you, yes, that's miraculous. Yes, it's beautiful. And when I zoom all the way out, it makes me want to clap at the wonder of God. But when I'm in it, it frustrates me. 
Sometimes I want him to come, most of the time I want him to come and it to feel epic and to feel glorious so that I can know that this is heaven at work. It's not just my life. But Christmas, the story of Christmas is, no, what if your life as it is, is heaven at work just exactly as it is? And the most faithful and glorious thing that you can do is let God be with you in your everyday life. God with us. And yet every day, the feeling is, my life looks like God is not with us. And so Christmas can come and say to you, oh, no, no, he, this is him. This is him at work through your very ordinary hands, your very ordinary body, your ordinary life. He is with you, and sometimes there will be miracles, and I believe in them. I've seen them and experienced them. I know them with my own life. I've given testimony to them. But most days, most days it all looks very, very ordinary. So can we choose to believe that he's here, that he's at work, he's with us? Speaking of faith, which is what it takes to believe that, I want to make just one more final observation about the story. Uh, we give a lot of attention uh, and favor, uh, rightly, to Mary, um, to the fact that God chose her and Joseph. What a beautiful, powerful, wonderful thing to be chosen, to be the you know, parents of Jesus. What a gift, what a grace. And it is. Uh, but I've been thinking about another side of it myself more this year than ever before. Uh, and that is the struggle and the cost, really, of having been chosen and gifted and graced by God. That there are two sides, you know, to that blessing. And so not only do I think that maybe Christmas would call us to reflect on the fact that God's going to come into your everyday life and you might miss it or you might not see it. And so therefore you have to trust him. You have to believe that God is with you. But also when he comes, that his blessings, that the work that he wants to do, the redemptive story that he's telling through your life, it is in fact his story. And parts of it we really love. And parts of it are really confusing, sometimes even costly. That was the case for Mary and Joseph. Um, I thought uh, many times about what it would be like um, if you were Mary and Joseph to receive this news and how conflicted that you would feel. Uh, because on the one hand, incredible. God has chosen me for this wonderful thing that he wants to do. On the other hand, what about all the things that I was going to do myself in my own way? Joseph in particular really gets me. Uh, when Mary was given the news that she was going to have a baby, not only did she have to grapple with that fact, but then she had to go and tell Joseph. Um, and Mary at least got to feel this pregnancy like growing inside of her. And I'm sure there was, may have been days of doubt, but you know, there was also assurance. For Joseph, he just had to look at her every single day, probably every minute of every day, and choose to believe that God was going to do something good out of something that felt to him extraordinarily painful. And it did feel painful. I think when Jesus was born, Joseph really loved him. He was his son. 
He was the son of Mary, whom he loved. But he was not the son that he imagined. You know what I mean? None of it played out exactly like he thought. So had God bestowed on him this blessing, this gift, yes, to be sure, there was a lot of blessing there, a lot of goodness there. But the reality is Joseph looked down at that baby and had to confront the fact that the good thing that God was doing, the redemptive story that he was telling, was not the way that Joseph would have told it. It was not his dream. It was God's dream. And so there's a question there for us too. As God moves into my life to do redemptive things, wonderful things, there's going to be a gift and there's going to be a lot of surrender. Both things are true at the same time. To hold on to Jesus as Mary did, what a gift, what a grace, what a beautiful thing. Take him in your arms and hold him, love him, but also every second of every day, let him go. Surrender him. The same thing for Joseph. Joseph, here's your son. Joseph had to receive this gift, this grace from God, and also look Jesus in the face and say, but you're not the son I imagined, and you're not mine. And I wonder if in this season there isn't a little bit of assurance, reassurance from God that if you have ever felt that way, he gets it, he knows, he sees you. There's also glory that is inside of you. A glorious thing that he's doing inside of you, but the glory isn't yours. This beautiful story that God is telling, that we get to be a part of, the redemption that we get to and must come through our hands, it's good, but it's not ours. It's his. And so I am called in this season of my life to confront the parts that don't look like I thought they would look. To be reminded that the glory is his glory, not my own. And the story is only actually truly good because he's the one telling it. Because it's not about me, not ultimately. But another scandal of Christmas, you won't hear this in your Baptist church, but it's, and I love the Baptist church, I grew up in it. I'm just saying, it's not something we talked about, which is the fact that God, infinite, Master, creator, king, and lord of the universe chose. He could have come any way that he wanted to, but he chose to come in the form of a vulnerable infant. What is more vulnerable than a newborn? Nothing. And to me, there is a message, there is an invitation that the God of glory would look at me and say, would you dare to pick me up? In the same way that Jesus looked at John the Baptist and said, Would you dare to baptize me, John? Would you be the one to hold me and push me under the water and bring me back up and call me baptized? Would you marry, bear me in your womb, and then hold me like your son? Would you love me that way? What does it mean that God would make himself that vulnerable in our hands? What it says is that apparently these hands matter. That whatever story God is telling, my hands play a vitally and, dare I say, perhaps indispensable role. And what a good and glorious and terrifying thing. He has come. Whether or not he will or if he will for you is not a question. He is Emmanuel, he is God with us.
He has entrusted his story into your hands. If it doesn't feel as epic and glorious today as you wish that it would, hold on. Mary, did you know? The glory that is inside you is greater than you can see on the surface. Or in a moment, you have to zoom out far enough to see it for what it is. Even if you don't understand it or see it entirely, even if you doubt it, here's my charge. Make it a New Year's resolution. Just keep saying yes. May it be so with me, God of heaven. Every day, the little things, the kid you don't want to sit with, the person you do not want to extend mercy towards, the patience you feel like you do not have. Trust him. Just say yes. See what he does. Amen.